We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Linnell Willingham here with you until 3 o'clock. Here on Burgundy and Gold today, the best expert analysis, fan reaction, and the biggest names in Burgundy and Gold history. I told you we'd have expert analysis. We're only dealing with the best and the finest when it comes to the Washington Commanders. Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest line is senior writer for The Athletic, Ben Standig. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ben Standig. Ben, long time no talk, my friend. How are you? Well, no, I'm uh, great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Congrats on the show. I appreciate you, my man. Look, man, you know I'm a man of nuggets and details, but I want to start with something light here first. You obviously were at FedEx Field this Sunday, Ben. The paid attendance fell somewhere between fifty six and 57,000. Did it feel like that? I said it earlier. As I'm watching the TV copy, this was my tall tale sign that the environment was good. Trevor Lawrence and company had to go silent count in that first quarter Tell me a little bit more about the fan atmosphere on Sunday at FedEx. Yeah, I mean, it did seem pretty good. Now, for those who, who have not been in the press box there, which would assume would be pretty much everybody listening, like <laughs> the glass that we have separating us from the field is pretty thick, so it kind of you know, mutes some of the noise. But, yeah, you can just still tell in general, even from that, that the, the crowd was into it, that they were raucous throughout the game. The lower bowl seemed pretty full, and the people uh, in front of us were definitely – into it, especially as they're making that comeback in the end. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, when you factor in, there was some, you know, rain to start the day, not a sexy opponent, everything that goes on with this team. Uh, at all times, I thought it was a pretty good crowd. And obviously, you know, the, the players uh, said as much as well that they, you know, for, they really felt the energy from the, from that crowd. And obviously, that's a great symbiotic relationship to have. Definitely. Ben, let's go to the performance on the field here. We'll start at the quarterback position. Obviously, we got our first experience of the Carson Wentz roller coaster. We heard all offseason, and we've seen it really in his career, that he is an up-and-down guy at the quarterback position. We saw the highs and we saw the lows. After getting a chance to go back and look at the film, Ben, how would you grade his performance overall from Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of what we expected to some degree. He is going to be an up-and-down player uh, for sure, and – this is, you know, I've been saying this all off season. It's to expect him to be a clean quarterback who's going to make 
all the right reads at all the right times and never leave his head scratching. And I, I don't mean never, but you know, right. <laughs> but, you know, not, not do it frequently. That's not realistic. It, it, right. You know, he, he is a Brett Favre disciple. And with that comes some high variance. The hope is that you make more good plays than bad. And I know that sounds obvious, but like for him, it is sort of to the extremes. And we saw that of course, in the fourth quarter, when he throws interceptions on back-to-back plays, I mean, I'll give Jacksonville some credit, particularly on the second one, but then he comes right back to throw two touchdown passes to win the game. And, you know, I, I, I think it was very important for, for him and for his teammates and his coaches to see the resiliency for real. It's, it's one thing yeah. to talk about it in practice and camp, but to see it in a real live game, uh, I think that was huge. So I think from that perspective, you know, give him a, you know, a, a positive grade for, for, for sure. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's things to clean up and, and we can't forget that the opponent is not necessarily right. <laughs> a good team, even if though Jacksonville's improved. Definitely. I thought Carson Wentz played well. I thought the entire offense did well. But for me, it all stems from offensive coordinator Scott Turner, Ben. Washington passed the ball 22 times on first and second down, which are usually expected running downs. How do you think the variance in play calling uh, helped Washington offensively on Sunday? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think when you go back to when they drafted Antonio Gibson, you know, one of the intriguing things for them when they did it was because of Gibson's ability to be a – he was a receiver in college that, you know, if you if you play him in the backfield and the defense has like a 4-3 run base, you can switch to a pass. And if, it's, if they go light in the box, you can switch to a run. And I mention that because it isn't just Gibson now. I mean, you have Curtis Samuel – who, you know, they ran out of the backfield a few times. He was a, a running back when he entered at Ohio State. Uh, J.D. McKissick has some of that as well. So, and, you know, whenever Brian Robinson comes back, he can catch also. So, like, they have that ability. I think it's been in their DNA. I just think they haven't had the op- the complete options on offense from the quarterback on down to, to, to make all the points of Scott Turner's offense click. And yesterday was an example of where – this thing could go. He's been creative throughout, but now there's just far more weapons around to get it done and these versatile pieces, Gibson, Samuel, and so on. Let's switch things over to the defensive side of the football, Ben. A year ago, a lot of people were critical of Jack Del Rio uh, and his, I guess, passive-aggressive nature when calling plays defensively. I know a lot of the times they want to bank on the formula of getting home to the quarterback by just sending four. We saw on numerous occasions Sunday – Jack Del Rio just really basically willing to say F it, as I'll say. Throwing the kitchen sink uh, at Jacksonville. You see him sending uh, nickelback blitzes. You see him blitzing safeties and corners. Do you think, you know, that's something that's going to be sustainable, or do you think the opponent, you know, really dictated how Washington tried to attack? I mean, I think, you know, you get a sense of what Jack Del Rio wants to do. Obviously, ultimately, you know, personnel plays a factor. Um <clears throat> Uh, you know, I, I think you know. I think they did a really good job of keeping Trevor Lawrence off balance. You know, I think ultimately they didn't blitz a ton. Um, they, they they did a few times here and there, but they did get pretty good pressure from from the front four. So you know, that's obviously the ultimate sign of what you of what you want right. to do. But yeah, I mean, I think Del Rio showed some creativity for sure. You know, they they never they played some some form of sub package the entire game. Um, every single snap from what I've seen online, um, was, was out of that formation. So, you know, you don't have sort of that natural linebacker um, kind of just there at the base. You know, it, it's a little more dramatic when you're seeing defensive backs in on the blitz, and they did that a few times. Um, but, but we'll see. You know, when you're going up against inexperienced quarterbacks, 
that's going to be a little bit easier. And fortunately for Washington, their schedule is kind of littered with those types (laughs) of players this year, unlike unlike last year. So, yeah, we could see um, more aggressive Jack Del Rio calls uh, for sure. Something that will allow him to be more aggressive is is if if this defensive line can continue to get pressure. Obviously, their depth took a little bit of a hit losing Phil Darian Mathis uh, early in that football game. I saw you just tweeted out that they signed – uh, I can't even pronounce his last name, Ben. Benning something. Can you ch- can you try to give us a pronunciation on the new guy on the practice squad? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how to pronounce it. It kind of looks like potato, potato in some degree, but I don't know how to. I didn't want to be funny, Ben, and say potato, but it definitely looks like potato. <laughs> yeah, it looks like that. I mean, Rivera told us yesterday that with Mathis out, they were looking to bring in some players uh, for the roster and the practice squad. So they did that yesterday. They signed. Uh, it's got Donovan Jeter, who was with the Steelers in training camp. Uh, you know, I, it's interesting because, look, sure, they, they need more bodies with Mathis out. But at the same time, it's, this is sort of reminiscent of what they've been doing all offseason. Yeah. We're talking about two players who have no NFL experience that they've added. And, and you know, the depth of defense in particular, to me, is very questionable. And, you know, I was, I, I'm still sort of waiting for them to make those kinds of, like, veteran additions, guys that they would look to potentially use, not just have as a body. And it doesn't feel like that's the case here, but we'll see. Obviously, I don't know much about these guys at all um, or how to pronounce their names. <laughs> um, so, 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 we'll, so we'll see what they do. But, uh, yeah, right now they're you know pretty inexperienced on the line behind the starters. Yeah, we'll keep things on the defensive line, Ben. All summer uh, we have been raving. I don't even want to say raving, really questioning the depth like you mentioned, of this defensive line, specifically at the edge rusher spot opposite Montez Sweat. We saw a lot of Casey Tuhill. We saw James Smith-Williams. We saw F.A. Obata. How would you grade the performance of what I like to call the other guys uh, that were rushing the passer on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think what they're looking for out of that spot, they're not necessarily looking for, you know, somebody to be some dynamic pass rusher. They're looking for somebody to do their job. And, you know, you go back to last year, when Chase Young and Montez Sweat were both injured and they won the next four games, um, in part because I think James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill did a solid job of being solid. Yeah, <laughs> they they yeah. stayed within their responsibilities. And I think collectively that's what happened on Sunday. Uh, that, you know, they have Montez Sweat to bring that pressure off the edge. Obviously, Jonathan Allen can do that. Jerron Payne had a very good game, I thought. And, you know, they, again, not that the other guy can just be passive, but like they just need the other player to, to sort of help out. Obata was able to show off his versatility. They used him inside a little bit as well uh, when, well, after the Mathis injury. So, you know, I, again, I, I, I caution people to think that whoever is playing in that other spot, it's not a Chase Young replacement. It's somebody to, you know, fill in the gaps, be disciplined, let the other three guys kind of do their thing. And, if everybody can work in concert, then that, that spot will do well. And I thought for the most part, they did okay. That said, you know, the, the, the Jags averaged nearly seven yards to carry on the ground. Um, that's not just on the line, but Washington's going to have to shore that up for sure going into this week when Detroit, uh, you know, piled up the rushing yards against the Eagles. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk a little bit more about that run defense, Ben. As you mentioned, they really seemed like they were gashing Washington. James Robinson averaged six yards a pop. He obviously had that touchdown uh, in the third quarter, I believe. When you look at Washington's rush defense as a whole, you kind of hit on it there. Do you think it's more about what they're doing up front along the defensive line, or do you think 
it's the inability of the linebackers to get free off of blocks. Because when you're watching it, Ben, there were some times they got caught running a stunt. And I know Washington likes to run a lot of games up front. And the thing about that is the negative is if an offense, if, if an opposing offense catches your defensive line, you know, in a stunt and they're running the football, you're obviously leaving a gap unoccupied. Do you think uh, that, that this is going to be something that they're going to be able to shore up or do you anticipate it being a problem uh, as the season goes on? Right. Well, like I mentioned before, right, they played sub package the entire game. And, you know, when you play that way, you know, to a degree, you're kind of conceding a little bit on the ground because you're, just, you're, you're taking one bigger body off the field to go with uh, a defensive back. And I think there's something to that there. I think Jamin Davis is right now <laughs> better against the run and near the line of scrimmage than he is against the pass, yeah. but he is still a bit of a, a work in progress. I know, I think it was James Robinson's first long run. It looked to me watching the play that the, the hole opened up and uh, Bobby McCain was the one poised to fill it, but he moved up uh, too vertical towards the line of scrimmage rather than kind of moving horizontally into the hole. Robinson took advantage of that. So, you know, it, all these things always, it's, it's typically never just one things again they all sort of have to work in sync and you know th- there's still clearly some some issues there but i think you know this is the sort of the trade-off it's the modern nfl and teams are looking to pass 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 that's why you go with the five dbs on the other hand you know you do lose a little bit um in run defense potentially and and of course you know we can't forget cam curl right. didn't play in this game obviously Derek Forrest was really impressive in relief but you know cam curl's a starter and he's the, the the perfect versatile player to give you an aggressive presence when you're going with the five DB. So can't ignore that. But yeah, they're going to have to be, you know, uh, tighter for sure going forward. Not just Detroit next week. You know, the Eagles were the best rushing team in the league yeah. last year, and they're in week three. And Dallas in week four. Obviously, they've got a quarterback issue, but they still have some good running backs. So yeah, they're going to have to tighten that up a bit over the next couple of weeks. Ben, I'll let you go on this overall big picture look. What was your biggest takeaway uh, from Washington Sunday against Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think ultimately for Carson Wentz, and he, he said this as much in the locker room after the game, the video the team released that, you know, he's had quite the offseason, as we know, and, you know, give him credit for being resilient and, and you know, making the plays down the stretch. I mean, I talked to him. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I wrote about it on the Athletic last week. Uh, my w- part of the conversation was his resiliency and where does that come from. And he talked about being an underdog kid his whole life. He's kind of felt, you know, football players don't typically come out of North Dakota, and right. you know he's he's had obviously a lot going on the last couple of years. But you know, people improve. Humans get you know <laughs> we like to think we all sort of improve in different ways and. Right. You know, I do think that not only did he make the plays down the stretch, you know, he took some he took responsibility for those mistakes. Rivera pointed that out, and that's something I think that sort of plagued him in other spots based on reporting and you know having talked to some people. So, you know, I think this the Carson Wentz vibe, the resiliency, the playmaking, the the accountability. I think that's all good stuff uh, going forward. All right, Ben, you can make sure to check out Ben Standing's work on the Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Standing. I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Lanell, I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Always get smarter talking football with Ben Standing, senior writer for The Athletic. Like I mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter, at Ben Standing, always giving out premium content. One of my favorite Ben pieces that he recently did, and I I obviously should have asked him about it. He was just on the agent survey that Ben did about a couple weeks ago. 
I thought just had so many great nuggets. And that's really the tall tale sign of an elite reporter. And Ben is the creme de la creme uh, of commanders reporters. Just the ability to get other people's opinion uh, on what's going on here in Washington. And when you're talking to agents, you're really able to get some inside information because, look, the agent most of the time is a lot, a lot of the time the mouthpiece uh, for a player. Got to take a quick time out. When we come back, there is major trouble brewing for one quarterback who got the bag this summer. I'll tell you more next. Lanelle Willingham here with you until 3 o'clock on Burgundy and Gold today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 